0: Thank okay. you. of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a Tuesday, October 8th, 2019, kicking off the show. Back-to-back weeks, we're going with Big Audio Dynamite. Uh, This was off their uh, original album, which was called This Is Big Audio Dynamite. The song is Medicine Show, which um, was a very interesting tune. I mean, still is today, but particularly at the time, if you hear the beginning of it, uh it may sound familiar you hear the uh the sample if you will it's Clint Eastwood uh from the good the bad and the ugly saying get three coffins ready and uh what that song does is it intersplices uh lots of lines from various Sergio Leone westerns Clint Eastwood westerns uh good and the good the bad and the ugly chief among them uh has the line, uh, got Eli Wallach in there As Tuco, Benedicto, Pacifico, Juan Maria Ramirez Known as the rat, as uh, Clint Eastwood refers to him Also in the movie uh, You've got James Coburn uh, Saying, duck you suckers Later in that uh, song Which uh, is from the movie Either, it's, it's co- two titles Either duck you sucker or a fistful of dynamite um, you've got We Don't Have to Show you Any Stinking Badges, which is from Treasure of the Sierra Madre. So uh, lots of cool and interesting stuff that wasn't happening in, I believe, 1984 is when, when that album came out. Uh, and the reason I played Big Gun and Dynamite again is I got a lot of good feedback from playing them to begin the show last week. So uh, I figured I'd start off with that song just because, again, uh, very innovative and ahead of its time. All right. Big show to get to. We've got uh, Major League Baseball playoffs. We've got week five of the NFL in the books. Um, And we've got uh, a little college football. And uh, yet another example of the abject hypocrisy in the world of sports, which we'll close the show out with in the NBA. Uh, But we begin with Major League Baseball. We begin with the Yankees and the Twins. And um, listen, the conventional wisdom oftentimes... Is wrong, in this case it was not The Yankees have owned the Twins for many, many years now Twins are always a nice story They're a plucky bunch uh, This year, more than that In the fact that they, I believe, led Major League Baseball on home runs With, I think, 307 The Yankees hit 306 uh, Again, I'm, I, I, I have those numbers right, folks Two teams hit over 300 home runs There was a time when if you, a team hit 200 as it, it, it That was an enormous figure, and now we just had two teams go over 300. Um, but the ball's not used. Anyway. The Twins, just what the doctor ordered for the Yankees. Uh, look, the Yankees had a great year. We talked about them many times on the show. Overcome a lot of injuries. Guys who came out of nowhere like Ursula and Talkman and... Even a guy like Cameron Mabin gave, gave the Yankees some useful games. Guy who's one of the worst players in baseball for the last mm, five, seven years, you know, shows up on the Yankees, all of a sudden he's a useful piece. You know, Gino Ursula, nobody ever heard of, uh, I think it was cut by the Blue Jays. Uh, Talkman, you know, wash out in Colorado, and these guys show up on the Yankees and all had very good years. Um, you know, even the likes of Austin Romine contributed to wins. I mean, they got they got contributions up and down all over the place, able to withstand injuries to key players. Um, talked about it going in. You know, the way the games are played now, particularly in the postseason, I mean, your starters is just, they, they just can't be awful. Like they can't give you two innings, seven runs and put you out of the game. Four innings and three runs is now not considered that bad. I mean, it's, it's laughable in a, in a way, but that's how the game is now. You know, I mean, Paxton, who's supposedly the Yankees' ace, what are you, four and two-thirds, three runs, four runs, and everybody was thrilled because he kept him enough in the game. And the Twins handed the game to the Yankees that first game. I mean, look, honestly, the Yankees scored a lot of runs late. I, I, I get LeMahieu with the big hit, the home run, and then the, the bases clearing double. And LeMahieu's been great for the Yankees all year, and he should be considered as an MVP candidate. Um, but when the Twins, early in that game, have a chance to get out of the inning with an inning-ending double play, and you throw the ball away at first base, which it actually wasn't a horrible throw, a good first baseman's got to scoop that, and the inning's over. Uh, And you don't And you give I mean you give any team Extra outs in the playoffs Particularly the Yankees You're just asking for trouble You're just begging to lose And that's what happened In the first game The the Twins gifted that game To the Yankees Gifted it to them You know And and Gibson comes in You know The starter who won 13 games With his whatever 480 ERA Of course he he walks The bases loaded Of course he does The guy doesn't have any stuff And in that joke Of a ballpark It's a joke. Yankee Stadium is an absolute disgrace joke of a stadium. That right field is embarrassing. It's little league dimensions. And I understand both teams play there. Look, Miguel Sano hit a home run in that stadium. The guy for the Twins. That was a joke. It's a line drive can of corn out in any other park. It's absurd what goes on over there. You give the Yankees extra outs at Yankee Stadium, you could forget it. And yes, I get it. I understand LeMahieu hit a, a big boy home run, a real home run to left center field. I understand that. But that stadium's embarrassing. It really is. It's silly. And I don't want to hear it because it's the new one. So, yeah, I, I don't want to hear about all the, the history and the ghosts and all that. No, 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 no. It's a brand new stadium or, you know, whatever, eight years old, whatever it is. It's embarrassing. should be ashamed of themselves, seriously it's a a joke you know, look, I understand, you know, Cincinnati's a joke Philly's a little bit of a joke it's a lot of jokey ballparks, Camden Yards but I've never seen anything in my life like right field in Yankee Stadium, it's it's really laughable I mean, the old one had a short right field porch too, but not like this And again, you add in the fact that the ball is juiced and forget it. I mean, balls that look like they're line drives that are going to maybe bloop in front of the right fielder or be caught by the right fielder end up being home runs. I I mean, whatever. I'm going off on a tangent here. I I just, I, I, I still can't get over it. But the Twins failed to turn that inning-ending double play in game one. That was that for them. They started a guy who was driving an Uber two years ago for some reason. Rocco Baldelli, the Twins' manager, re- reasons known only to him. I mean, the, 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 the Twins had two good starting pitchers. Barrios, who pitched much better than his line suggested because the Twins didn't turn that double play to get him out of the inning in the first inning of the game, the first game. And then he still takes him out after four innings, which is idiotic. I said all year, Twins' bullpen shaky. Proved to be so again. They started this guy in game two rather than Odorizzi. I have no idea why. Odorizzi is their second best pitcher. What, what, you're waiting for the elimination game at home? <laughs> Which is what he did. And they lost last night. And look, give the Yankees credit, right? Severino pitched four really good innings. Bullpen got... By, by the skin of their teeth The Twins hit about Nine balls last night That were rocket shots I mean Torres made a great play To get the Yankees out of a jam Aaron Judge made a great play By the way probably the only guy in baseball That makes that catch because he's 6'8 On a, a rocket to right field That looked like it was going to go over his head With guys on base. The Twins left seven guys on base Through the first four innings of that game last night Then the relievers came in. Britton gave up a home run. I understand. Then he got hurt. We got hurt. Then gave up the home run. Chad Green gave up bullets everywhere. Look, give the Yankees defenders credit. They made great plays. They flashed some serious leather last night, but uh, that was not exactly an inspired performance by the Yankees bullpen last night. And again, I say this all the time. You want to keep going in the well over and over again. These bullpen guys, they get worn out in these series. Now, the Yankees got lucky because they got, not lucky, but it's fortunate for them that they got to sweep the Twins. So now they're going to get some rest here. And if you're a Yankees fan, you're rooting like hell for the Rays to beat the Astros tonight. Astros, same thing. Look, I get that Verlander's great and Garrett Cole's great. I don't want to, Don't please don't tell me about Zach Greinke. Please, I, I, I don't want to hear it. Okay. I, I know when the Astros got, oh, now they have three aces. No, no, they don't. First of all, the Yankees hammer Zach Greinke. So they're not afraid of him at all if they play the Astros, which it looks like that's what's going to happen. Second of all, I understand Zach Greinke has had some very, very good years in in, 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 in his career. I believe he's even won a Cy Young. You also cannot trust him in a big spot as far as you can throw him. And he got hammered by the Rays the other night. Hammered. What was it, two and a third, six runs or something like that? Zach Reckie's good, not great. It's just like Patrick Corbin. We'll get to that series in a second. So, yes, they've got the two studs, and Verlander is a total stud. And he, he brings it into the postseason, too. And Cole, what? He only struck out 15 guys in his first postseason start so far this year. So, I mean, they, they have arguably the two best pitchers in the American League, and Verlander and Garrett Cole. That's a major advantage. And these guys actually go seven innings. They don't, you know, five and fly Like everybody else does now And their manager, A.J. Hinch At least is smart enough to let them go seven innings But the rest of that Astros bullpen I don't trust anybody down there Including Osuna Presley Gene Harris None of these guys Wade Miley Who had a nice year as a starter for them Look Look Again, the more you keep going, the well, you're just going to get diminishing returns. Uh, It's just how it works. And then particularly in these next, when you get to the ALCS and the NLCS, and if these games go four, five, six, seven games, and you keep seeing, the hitters keep seeing these guys on a nightly basis, advantage hitter. So look, congrats to the Yanks. They did what they were supposed to do. No surprise there. I think maybe some people thought that maybe the Twins would get a game, but that was it. I mean, pretty much every prediction had the Yankees in four. And, uh, you know, no great surprise. All right, let's get to the Nats-Dodgers series. That series is tied at two. Uh, First game, Scherzer came out, out outpitched Kershaw. Talked about it last week. I mean, Kershaw, he's got a spotty postseason record, particularly compared to how good he's been in the regular season. Now, he wasn't awful, right? Six innings, three runs. He was wild early. He hit two guys. He walked a batter. You know, he wasn't great. Strasburg was phenomenal. And then out of the blue, look who comes in, but Scherzer out of the bullpen. Shocks everybody. Comes in throwing bullets. Gets them through the eighth. Daniel Hudson tiptoes through the raindrops in the ninth inning. They get game one. Game two was... Let me see if I get game two right. Dodgers came back and won that one pretty easily, I want to say. Let me see. No, wait. Let me see. Let me go to that series. Because... Let's see. Dodgers won. Now, that was, that was game three. They won 10-4. That was when Davey Martinez decided to bring Patrick Corbin in after they got a miracle performance out of um, Annis, Annabelle Sanchez and his 72-mile-an-hour and his EFIS pitch that had the Dodgers hitters completely baffled. I mean, Annabelle Sanchez has no stuff anymore. <laughs> He's a soft-tossing righty. The Dodgers should have been creaming him. I mean, that guy got away with more hanging breaking balls in that game than any pitcher I've ever seen in my life. But, you know, these guys may... You know, there's something to be said for that. In one game, that can work. Because these guys are all geared up to hit 98 now. But that's not the... Uh, that's, not, that's not the game I'm looking for here. So, anyway, in that game... Davey Martinez decided to bring in Patrick Corbin, who had pitched game two, I believe, and was not very good. He walked the world. The Dodgers didn't really take advantage of it, so the numbers looked okay, but he was not very good. They had to get him out of that game. Let me see. Was that the Friday night game? You know, it's hard to remember already here. Now, the Nationals won. Am I out of my mind here? Uh, the The Dodgers won game one. Okay, sorry. The Dodgers won game one. Strasburg, that's right. That Corbin pitched the first game. He didn't pitch well. Strasburg, in a must-have game, pitched great in the game. second game. And that was the game Scherzer came in. Scherzer pitched in game one. That's right. That's why it was so surprising. Because Scherzer wasn't great. No, sorry. Corbin pitched in game one. But they knew Scherzer was going to obviously start in the series. Uh, Strasburg pitched great. Six shutout innings. Or one run, sorry. He gave up. And then... Scherzer came in. Let me, sure, let me make sure I get this right. Hold on. Strasburg, six innings, three hits, one run, no walks, ten strikeouts. And by the way, not a huge sample size, but I think like in 28 postseason innings now, Strasburg has an ERA in the ones. He's been very good. Doolittle came in, of course, gave up a home run to get it close. And Scherzer came in in the eighth, struck out the side. And then Hudson came in the ninth, gave up two walks and a hit, but managed to avoid giving up any runs. That's right, that's right, sorry And the Dodgers won 6-0 game one That's right, okay And that was, let me make sure, that was Corbin pitch that started for the Nationals Yes, six innings, three hits, two runs, only one earned So not terrible numbers, but five walks and nine strikeouts and 107 pitches and yet, after throwing 107 pitches and, and high pressure, right, guys on base every inning, Davey Martinez, the Nationals' manager, thinks it's wise to bring him in to try to close that game out. The other day, it was idiotic. I understand his bullpen's lousy, and Hunter Strickland can't get anybody out, and Tommy Rainey can't get anybody out. I get it, and Fernando Rodney you can't trust anymore. But uh, th- th- that seemed like a panic move. You know, it, Patrick Corbin is not Max Scherzer. Let's put it that way. So, that game is all tied up. The Nationals did a number on the Dodgers last night, 6-1, with, uh, let me see here. I must have been Strasburg. Again, I was flying back from a business meeting in Minnesota, so I didn't see any of that game. No, Scherzer. Scherzer was a stud last night. Seven innings, four hits, one run, seven strikeouts. And who pitched for the Dodgers? No, Rich Hill, please. Rich Hill, who, even when he's good, they only let him pitch five innings. Who's not good last night. Two and two-thirds. He had four walks. He only gave up the one run. But, I mean, two and two-thirds is too short. Kenta Maeda came in, kept the game in check. And then Urias gave up three runs. Baez gave up a run. Gave, Stripling gave up a run. Dodgers didn't hit. So that series is all tied. Tomorrow night, game five. That would be a major, major disappointment for the Dodgers if they lose that game. And let's see who who they, I assume it's gonna be either Ryu or Kershaw. Oh no. I stand corrected. Steven Strasberg versus Walker Bueller. Walker Bueller pitched well in his first postseason start. Interesting. In LA, it would be the ultimate irony, wouldn't it? You know, the Nationals who've never won a post. Season series, uh, winning a one-game playoff does not count. It's not a series. It's one game. So the fact that they beat Milwaukee, good for you. It's not winning a series. They've been in three other times in the last whatever it's been nine years. Had big leads in a couple of them. Had that they blew that one in twelve to St. Louis, where I think they were up two zero or maybe three one. Um, but that'll be a major. Disappointment if the Dodgers lose that game, and it would be the ultimate irony that you know this Nationals team. Look, I understand they won ninety-three three games and they got hot down the stretch, but certainly the expectations lowered. It would be ironic that this would be the first time that they won a postseason series. The other National League series, St. Louis Atlanta. I got to tell you, I, this is like watching paint dry for me. First of all, I can't stand either team. Right. I mean, I hate the Braves because they've been, you know, the Mets chief division rival for the last 20 years since they had expansion and redid the divisions. And then before that, the chief division rival for the Mets in the 80s when the Mets were starting to get good was the Cardinals. So, as you know, if you ever heard the show, I I have a vast amount of respect for the Cardinals and that organization because for about 50 years, all they do is win. And even in a bad year for them, it's like 84 wins. They're very much the Yankees of the National League. Now, they don't have the 27 championships, but I think they have eight or seven. Right? They've got a storied history, a pedigree, right? Lots of Hall of Fame players, Bob Gibson, Stan Musial, just to name a couple. Uh, and this Yadi Amaralina, I have to say, this guy's unbelievable. I mean, he got the clutch game winning hit last night, it was a sack fly. But he got the tying hit in the eighth where he hit just a little blooper over the first baseman's head. Just ticked off his glove. Then in the tenth, bottom of the tenth, with first and third and one out. Rather than walk him and try to set up a double play, Brian Snicker, the Braves manager, decided to pitch to him. you got to be out of your mind. Yadier Molina is one of the best situational hitters in baseball. And yes, I understand if he hits the ball on the ground at somebody, it's an easy double play because he's an old catcher and he doesn't run well, but uh, he's not hitting the ball on the ground. If you need him to hit the ball on the ground, he will. If you have a runner on second and nobody out, and you got to get the runner to third, he will do that. If you need him to pull the ball and hit a sack fly, he'll do that. Oh, and by the way, you want to try to run on them, good luck because he will gun you out. The guy, I have to say, is an amazing player. And this guy has been doing this now. In 06, he killed the Mets in the postseason, and he couldn't even hit back then. He was a 210 hitter that year in the regular season in 06. That's 13 seasons ago. 14 seasons. 13 years, 14 seasons. Yet he got a huge home run well, of Aaron Heilman in, in that series When the Mets That was an 83-win Cardinals team That ended up winning the World Series Mets won 100 games that year And lost to that Cardinals team And Yadier Molina was a big reason why And he, again, he wasn't even a good hitter back then He's been a good hitter now for the last mm, 8 years, 10 years of his career He's the best all-around catcher in baseball Still, by far, it's not even close I don't want to hear about Multo. Not even close Rio is a good player He doesn't have the postseason pedigree that Molina has, and he hadn't done it as long as Molina. So, to me, not even close. But that game, I mean, that series has been kind of wacky. Late inning bullpen meltdowns. Carlos Martinez, who I talked about months ago, former starter for the Cardinals, has been the de facto closer now for them. Can't trust him as far as you can throw him. He was awful. Got got out of it. Got 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 through the game yesterday, but had had that game where, who was it? Was it Flaherty pitched his, his guts out, and Martinez came in and gave that game up. Let's let's go let's go look back at that series. I mean, I, I again, I, I have a tough time watching this series because I really don't like either team. <laughs> let's see here, they just played yesterday, right? All right, let's go to the box score from yesterday's game, shall we? Cardinals won five-four in ten innings. You had Daniel Hudson started pitched okay, four and two-thirds, four runs, one earned run. Big error by uh, Matt Carpenter, opened the floodgates. St. Louis bullpen did a great job from there on in. Didn't allow a run the rest of the game. Um, Dallas Keuchel and this is this was the Braves had a chance to step on the Cardinals' throats and get them gone. And by the way, you give the Cardinals chance another chance, another life. You do so at your own peril. You do so at your own peril. And they put Keuchel out there to be the closer to put this series to bed. And he stunk. Three and a third, four hits, three runs, three home runs. Goldschmidt hit a home run off him. Ozuna hit a home run off him. Actually, Goldschmidt hit two off of him. No oh, no, sorry. Ozuna hit two off of him. And Goldschmidt hit one. And then Shane Green. Big, big trade deadline acquisition well, I, I, I told you about that then too Big difference closing games For a, a crappy Tigers team That's on the way to setting the record For most losses in a year That nobody cares about Oh, thank you, here we go ESPN Thanks very much for that, shut up I had the nerve to be on the, the BoxScore website I had the nerve to be on the uh, ESPN, ESPN.com site Easily the worst website ever it is an absolute horror show. I mean, I'm on it right now. I, 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 it, it runs so slow, and it's not my computer. Um, it's just, I don't know if you've ever... Have you been on it lately? They keep asking you for these acceptance... Uh, to accept their data sharing rules, I guess. There's some nonsense. I don't know. It's causing everything to run very slowly. Uh, the first game, the Cardinals won 7-6. The Braves had a big lead... Mark Melanson, who I also told you you can never trust in a big spot, gave up four runs in the ninth inning of that game. And they blew their first game. Um, I would like to tell you what happened in game two, but I can't because this website is the absolute worst. Oh, the Braves won 3-0 in game two. Game three was when, uh, was it, let me see if I can actually get to the box score of this game in the next day or two see how long it takes for it to show up on the uh, screen here. Oh, is this just the worst? I mean, ESPN.com, you've got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, this is absurd. Oh, gee, I wonder why. Maybe it's the incessant ads for your own crappy programming that uh, you have to jam onto your website. And now even when I'm trying to go onto the box score, I can't see anything. No, it was Adam Wainwright pitched his guts out. Seven and two-thirds for it's right. Uh, Flaherty pitched the game. They lost 3-0. He made the one mistake to Adam Duval. He gave up a two-run homer uh, late. And then, as I said, the Cardinals, uh, the Braves had a chance to, to put them away yesterday. They lost an extra innings 5-4. So they play game five uh, tomorrow as well. So two game fives tomorrow. Dodgers, Nationals, Braves. Dodgers-Nationals, Braves-Cardinals, two games, fives tomorrow. Flaherty versus fulton in the Braves-Cardinals game. So, uh, and then you've got tonight, you've got Tampa Bay trying to stay alive against Houston. Um, it is Verlander going against... Oh, boy. Let's see if I can... VSPN.com ESPN.com will allow me to, Diego Castillo, who was a guy added the bullpen, so I guess Tampa Bay's going with their opener strategy against Justin Verlander. Yeah, good luck. And I know, I said nobody wanted to play Tampa Bay. Uh, first of all, I should have realized they were going to play Houston. Um, and Houston's the best team probably in all of baseball. So, looks like we're going to get Yankees-Houston again in the ALCS And then uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow in the Game fives. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with the NFL Week 5 right after this. Okay, we're back here on another edition of Jamal About Sports, turning our attention to Week 5 in the NFL. So the lines were off, which is always nice for me. I always like it when they have a bye week. I can kind of just sit back and relax, watch other games, follow my dopey fantasy teams. Uh, So couple of interesting games. We can actually start with uh, Oakland-Chicago. I watched a, a large part of that game because it was a 1 o'clock game. It was played in London. And this is a perfect example of how as soon as you think you know something, you know nothing. So the Raiders, right, um, actually had just beaten the Colts the week before in Indianapolis, which was a mild upset. Uh, but the Bears are dominant in a home win against the Vikings. And so, you know, I think most people expected the Bears to win that game against the Raiders and win it pretty easily. Well, the Raiders got out to a 17 nothing lead and completely outplayed the Bears. Uh, if not for the Raiders and deciding to shoot themselves in the foot with some stupid turnovers and some sloppy play... In the third quarter The Bears then actually came back And took the lead 21-17 Raiders had a chance to take the lead again Fumbled on the one yard line Going in for a touchdown um, Managed to overcome that Took a lead late On a beautiful two yard dive Plunge into the end zone By the, the rookie Josh Jacobs The rookie running back out of Alabama And then they picked off uh, Chase Daniel late in that game To seal it Um so big win for the Raiders, but here's a perfect example. So Indy loses at home to the Raiders. The Raiders lose, uh, beat Chicago. And then Indy goes on the road Sunday night and beats Kansas City. <laughs> so Indy lost at home the week before the Raiders. Everyone thought that was a terrible loss. And then they go on the road and beat Kansas City in Kansas City on Sunday night football. You can't figure this league out. I mean, there are certain things we know. For instance, the Redskins are a dumpster fire. Just fired the coach, Jay Gruden, not surprisingly. And now there's all sorts of reports out there now that he never wanted Dwayne Haskins, a quarterback out of Ohio State in the first place. Kind of threw him to the... And the reason that he was drafted is because the owner insisted on it. Again, recurring theme here on Jamal About Sports. You have bad ownership. You have a tough, tough time trying to even be a relevant franchise let alone a successful one. And since Daniel Snyder is on the Redskins they've been a, an abject joke. Yes, they might pop up every now and then. The stars will align, you might have a decent year here or there where you make the playoffs, but for the majority of his ownership, the Redskins are an embarrassment. That when I got to University of Maryland in 1987, you. This is pre-internet. This is pre—you know—17 sports ca- cable channels and shows every day. The Redskins invented that format. There were shows Monday through Sunday morning about the Redskins every single week during football season. That's all that town cared about. They just—they won—they won the Super Bowl with Doug Williams. Well, the, you know, they'd won earlier with Thiesman. Then they won that year with Doug Williams. I mean, that place was... And then they won again with Rippon when they beat the Bills, and I think it was in 90. I mean, they... You could not escape the Redskins. I hated the Redskins so much because it was Redskins, 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 Redskins. Remember, they didn't have a baseball team back then in D.C., right? Hockey is hockey. I mean, there's a pretty, you know, significant uh, Capitals fan base down there, but it's still hockey. And, you know, the Bullets, which is what they were known at the time, were like a mediocre NBA franchise, so it was all Redskins all the time, and now I mean, there and 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 that that the old stadium would, would sell out. You had the Hogs, you had the guys that dressed up in the Hogs with the dresses and the hog nose, the pig noses, and the whole thing, right? That place used to literally rock that old stadium, that old RFK, and the last few home games. They just played the Patriots The Patriots said they felt like it was a home game for them Nobody goes to the games anymore And the people who do show up are the other team's fans So Dan Snyder decided he was going to draft Dwayne Haskins Because Dwayne Haskins is a local product He went to a high school a Very prestigious prep school called Bullis Which is in I think Bethesda You know, DC, a suburb of D.C. And thought apparently that would get people excited Now look, Dwayne Haskins was largely considered To be one of the better quarterbacks in the draft So, but apparently the coach Didn't want him If the coach doesn't want a guy, you can't take a guy I'm sorry Or then fire the coach before the season But this is what the Redskins do They just, they're, they're completely inept So Gruden's gone The, the Redskins played the Dolphins this week Matchup of two 0-5 teams, or maybe the Dolphins are 0-4, right? Because they were on the bye this week, too. So there's certain things we know. Like, the Redskins are a joke. The Dolphins are horrible. Bengals are terrible. Although the Bengals at least have lost some close games. They're 0-4, but they've been in like two or three of these games. They could have won. I mean, Miami's been non-competitive. The Redskins, for the most part, have been non-competitive. But I guess the big game of the week was Dallas-Green Bay A game in which Green Bay Completely dominated the Cowboys Of course, because the one time I actually want the Cowboys To win, of course, they have to lay a complete Egg But Look, you know, it's interesting, right Dak Prescott wants a new contract Everybody's been very high in the Dak Prescott bandwagon Um, I said it beginning of the year Let's pump the brakes on how great the Cowboys are. They've beaten nobody. They beat the Giants with Eli Manning. They beat the Dolphins and they beat the Redskins. Those are their three wins. They lost it to the Saints. Granted, they played hard. They played tough. Lost a close game to the Saints in New Orleans. No, no. You know, granted, no Drew Brees, but nevertheless, Teddy Bridgewater proved last week he's more than capable as a backup. I mean, granted, it was against Tampa Bay and that terrible defense, but he threw for four touchdowns. He's not a schlub. He's not Drew Brees, but he's not a schlub. He's a, per, he's a capable backup. So there's no great shame in losing on the road Sunday night game by one point or whatever it was, or 12-10 they lost to the Saints. But they got dominated from the jump from first snap against Green Bay. Well, I shouldn't say that. Cowboys were doing everything they wanted to do against Green Bay's defense until Dak Prescott threw slightly behind Amari Cooper, hit him in the hands, Probably, you know, if he's going to be a stud number one, you got to make that catch. Instead of catching it, he kind of flipped the ball up in the air into the waiting arms of Jair Alexander, interception. That, that I understand Green Bay was up 31 3 at one point in that game. That turned the whole tenor of that game, changed the entire complexion of that game. Now, that doesn't excuse Dallas' the defense are getting run over by Aaron Jones like he was uh, Barry Sanders with his four touchdowns, and making Leighton Vander Esch, who had a great rookie year last year, look terrible, oftentimes. And Green Bay's no-name offensive line completely dominating Dallas' front seven. I mean, Aaron Rodgers didn't even do anything, and they got smoked. And look, Dallas put in a couple of touchdowns late to, for some window dressing and make it look less embarrassing, but that was an embarrassing home loss for Dallas. And this is why. I, look, I've said this about Dak from day one. Love, love his makeup Love his moxie Love his accountability Guy stands there at his locker after a bad game Takes the blame Doesn't hide, doesn't make excuses Love all that about him Unless he's in his little incubator Like I like to call it Dak Prescott is not a franchise quarterback He's got to have everything around him Be just right He's got to have all his offensive linemen in there Granted Tyron Smith didn't play on Sunday I'm sorry even AG texted me this He goes, I can't have One guy goes out and all of a sudden everything goes to pieces I understand Cam Fleming isn't any good Somehow he managed to start for the Patriots in a Super Bowl But boy was he lousy On Sunday For the Cowboys And he wasn't very good when he played for them last year either By the way and I understand Lyle Collins went out and missed some time too And they had an undrafted free agent and a right tackle I get all that You gotta figure out a way And Zeke Elliott's been held to 90-something yards on 30-something carries in his last two games. He scored a garbage time, meaningless touchdown. But he's very, very happy to make a big celebration about it. But boy, I I don't know how anybody could stand him. I really don't. I mean, talk about just a classic example of the millennial generation. He and OBJ, Exhibit 1 and Exhibit 1A. I mean, jeez. Anyway. That that concludes the get off my lawn p- portion of the show. But um, look, Dallas, uh, it's a problem, and he wants thirty five million dollars a year or some nonsense like that. I- I'm sorry, that's insane. Again, I like Dak Prescott, but Dak Prescott is not Russell Wilson. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Matthew Stafford. He's not Matt Ryan. He's not Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Who am I leaving out? I mean, the point is, there's probably 10 quarterbacks in the league better than Dak Prescott. Not Phillip Rivers. He's not Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger's hurt right now. He's not Drew Brees. I mean, that's nine I just gave you. Again, and I'm not trying. I'm not trying to crush Dak Prescott. But if he wants to be play, paid like a franchise quarterback, he has to play a lot better than this. And again, he can't have everything always go right from all the time. Can't have his offensive linemen always stay healthy, and always play well, and always have Dak. Uh, uh, sorry, have Ze- Zeke to hand off to. You know, they got they went out and got uh Amari, Amari Cooper from last year. They drafted Michael Gallup. They brought Witten back out of retirement. I mean, they, they, and look, I, I get it. Quarterback has to have people around him. I, I hate this. I, I don't. I don't subscribe to this. You know, team wins is somehow a quarterback statistic. You know, QB wins. That's absurd. But again, if you want to get paid with the big boys, you got to be able to, to muster up a game and get it done. When, nothing, when things aren't always perfect around you. And the last game I want to cover a little bit is last night's debacle in San Francisco. San Fran Cleveland. San Francisco 4-0 and now. San Francisco has beaten Cincinnati. No wins. Pittsburgh, one win. And now uh, Cleveland, who's 2-3. and three. And about the most Jekyll and Hyde team in the league. And then they beat Tampa Bay, who also isn't really very good. So let's pump the brakes on San Francisco for a second because everybody's getting all excited about them right now. And I understand the defense played great last night. And I understand Nick Bosa had a coming out party. Uh, It came against Greg Robinson. I can tell you as a Lions fan who watched Greg Robinson start a left tackle for them for a year, the year uh, Taylor Decker got hurt. Um, and most football fans know this Greg Robinson was a major, major first round bust Coming out of Auburn When he got drafted by the Rams I believe he was his second pick overall About seven or eight years ago I could, I was shocked that Cleveland I know he played okay for them last year But stunned that they entrusted him At the most important position on the line When they brought in all the, you know They got Baker, they got OBJ, David Njoku, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, you know, all Antonio Callaway, who, by the way, took a touchdown and turned it into an interception last night. I understand Mayfield's not played well so far. That was not all on him last night. His his offense, first of all, his offensive line was a joke. They gave him nothing. No time, and I tell you, he hits Callaway for what should be an easy touchdown. He turns it into an interception. Guy, he sliding catch on a goal line, pops the ball straight up in the air into the waiting arms of a defender. Now look, San Francisco looks like they got it some decent pieces. They've got the good backs with Tevin Coleman and Brita. You know the receivers don't really scare you. You know, Marquise Goodwin's a one-trick pony in the same vein as uh, uh, Deshaun Jackson. He's a good deep threat, catches every other pass. You know, he's got ping-pong paddles for hands. You know, Dante Pettis, the rookie from last year out of Washington, they're still waiting to arrive. George Kittle's one of the best tight ends in the game. Had a monster year last year for them. You know, Garoppolo, everybody's in love with Garoppolo. Uh, I mean, can he play a full season, please, first, before we crown him too? But that defense looks like it's pretty good. I mean, that defensive line's got a ton of high picks on it. They've got Richard Sherman back there in that secondary. They've got a lot of high picks all over that defense, actually. Fred Warner out of BYU. They've got good players. So, look, I'm not saying they're, they're not any good, but, again, they haven't really beaten anybody yet. But their schedule is pretty favorable. They, they, they get to play the Cardinals twice. I mean, you know, but let's let, let's see them play Seattle. In Seattle. You know, they got to play the Rams still. Although the Rams, who knows with them. Although they, they played much better last Thursday night. They really should have won that game. I mean, Greg Zerline, who makes everything, misses a 44-yard field goal. His time expires by, you know, by the skin of his uh, teeth there. Otherwise, they would have beaten Seattle in Seattle. Big game coming up this week for Detroit. Monday night in Green Bay. Coming off the bye week, so should be relatively healthy. Now, Lions are going to have to compete, compete with not just the Packers, but of course the officials. You just know it. You just know it. I understand. I sound like a homer, and that's fine. If you ever watch the Lions Packers games, you know what I'm talking about. All right. Lastly, we'll get you out of here on this. The NBA. So the NBA, you know, is very popular. It's a very popular sport actually globally, particularly in China. The NBA's got lots of. You know, Miao Ming came from China, right? He was a big part of that. NBA has lots of marketing agreements in China. Um, they're playing preseason games in China, so uh, the Rockets are playing a preseason game in China. And you know what's going on in the world with the Hong Kong protests, right? And uh, trying to. And uh, Daryl Morey, eh, pretty innocuous, you would think, pretty benign tweet, said something like, you know, I stand in, in, you know, I stand with Hong Kong for the freedom, hashtag freedom or something like that. Well, of course, because China is a, basically still a communist dictatorship, took exception to that and, and, and got all over the NBA. And the NBA, in the most cowardly, craven way, Decided to basically try to play it both ways and say that well they support Daryl Morey's right to free speech, but that they understand why 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 China and the many NBA fans in China are upset with that tweet. I mean, are you kidding me? Is this this is well? I mean, I, I shouldn't be surprised. I really shouldn't because I sound like a naive idiot. So I shouldn't be surprised because you're talking about billions of dollars on the line. But it's interesting, isn't it? The NBA, which fashions itself as the most socially woke league around, right? And, oh, we're so behind our players. And we're even considering getting rid of the term owner and replacing it with governor in the NBA because owner somehow denotes slavery. That's a thing, by the way. So that league, right? The woke league, the NBA. Yet when something real is happening in the world, some real issues are taking place. Not stupid things like debating whether or not owners can still be called owners, but actual people being repressed in Hong Kong. And a GM publicly supports those people and is in favor of freedom, which I thought what this country is supposed to be all about. They have a mealy-mouthed response led by Skeletor himself, Adam Silver. What a joke. All right. That's going to do it for tonight's show. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time, peace out.